Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on surviving daylight savings time transition. Well done. All of us have had experiences so beautiful, so wonderful, that we did not want them to end. Or at least we want to hold on to them in such a way that we could revisit them later on. I had such an experience last weekend with the Life-Giving Wounds Retreat. Part of what made it so special for me was that it's been a very long time since I've had such a profound experience. So I can completely sympathize with St. Peter, who wanted to build three tents so that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah could stay right there, and that they could continue to bask in Jesus' glory. He wanted to hold on to this incredible moment and not let it go. One thing that we often forget about this passage is that Peter, James, and John were asleep for most of the time that Jesus was conversing with Moses and Elijah. Jesus had invited his three closest friends to join him for a time of prayer on Mount Tabor. Unfortunately, they soon fell asleep, as they will do again in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was while Jesus himself was praying that he became transfigured and was joined by Moses and Elijah in conversation. The Gospel makes it very clear connection between Moses of ancient Israel and Jesus as the new Moses. Luke specifically recounts that Jesus and the Old Testament figures were discussing the exodus that Jesus was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Jesus' exodus is going to break humanity's slavery to sin, suffering, and death by his own passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. This is a far greater exodus than just freeing one small nation from the tyranny of a larger, more powerful nation, as miraculous as it was. And Luke also makes it very clear that the law, representing, represented by Moses, and Elijah, representing the prophets, bear witness to the fact that Jesus, as the Messiah, was going to lead humanity on this far greater exodus. Now, the transfiguration is a physical manifestation in and through Jesus' human body of the heavenly glory that he shares as the second person of the Most Holy Trinity with the Father and the Son. It is this and not the conversation about his passion and death that the apostles suddenly wake up to. Having someone come in and turn on the lights in the room where you've been sleeping so soundly is only a shadow unintended, of what the apostles experienced. It's no mistake that this event occurred on a mountaintop 
just like the old Moses when he encountered and spoke with God, who called him to free his people from slavery in Egypt, and also after leaving Egypt, gave Moses and the people the law. The cloud harkens also back to Moses, entering a cloud to speak with God for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. A cloud also led the people of Israel on their journey to the promised land. So it was a very familiar and powerful symbol of God's presence for Peter and his companions. It's also a unique grace that would show Peter, James, and John's future role in the church, that they all hear God the Father's voice speaking in the cloud. And like Moses before them, they too are going to lead God's people. And like Mary at the Annunciation, the glory of God overshadowed them and the Holy Spirit would make them fruitful in bearing witness to the world. Peter did not know what he was saying, Luke tells us, not only because he had just been startled awake and was dazed, but also, like his companions, he was overwhelmed by the glory of God. And unlike the Israelites in the desert who encountered a God they did not know personally and so were afraid. Peter, James, and John knew Jesus, were coming to know him better, and so wanted to hang on to this miraculous, glorious vision. That's why it's good for them to be there. But like all things in this life, it could not last and it didn't. Some traditions state that the Transfiguration happened 40 days before Good Friday. It's one reason that we have this reading early on in Lent. In this light, it's an event that prepares the leaders of the apostles for the horror and the scandal of Jesus' passion but it also prefigures that Jesus would triumph over suffering and death precisely in his human body. Jesus had to conquer it in our human nature so that, as St. Paul would later say, he would become the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. That's us. Centuries later, St. Ambrose reflects, the garment of the body, purer and finer after the removal of the materiality of vices, is made for the resurrection. Think about that for a moment. Your body is made for the resurrection. That's what Jesus showed us at the Transfiguration. The apostles got the faintest glimpse of the glory that they would enjoy in heaven after themselves passing through death.
Again, St. Paul would tell the Philippians today, the Lord Jesus will change our lowly body to conform to his glorified body. In this life, God gives us these mountaintop experiences to strengthen us for the journey ahead. All of us, like Peter, James, John, and the rest of the apostles, waver and falter in our faith in Jesus. But like them, all of us are made for the resurrection. And thanks to the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that path is now open to us once again. Let us rejoice in the many ways that we experience God, the many ways that we can be overshadowed by the beauty and the grandeur of the divine so that we know that we can conquer anything this life throws at us, even death itself.